0: Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. How many people love the Word of God? I love the Word of God. I myself, as the pastor of this church, I love the glory of the Lord. I love the tangible presence of God. I believe that we are in the generation that out of the law and out of the ceremony and tradition. We are in a generation that we should live in the presence of God. We walk by the Spirit, not by the law. We are in the New Testament, in the New Covenant time. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in front of the Holy of Holies was torn from the top to the bottom. And the glory of the tangible presence of God came out from that inner room. And it's available to all of us. Therefore, I totally believe that we walk by the Spirit. We don't walk by the law anymore. We are not against the law, but we don't walk by the law. And in the past 20 years, I have learned about the glory. I have learned to live in the glory. I have learned to keep the glory in my life, in this church. And I noticed that one of the things that lack in the body of Christ is the tangible presence of God. The church become tradition and religion and just full of ceremony, but the presence of God is not there. I have a conversation with Pastor Dar. I noticed that a lot of young people, kids that grow up in a church, I'm talking about in America, they walk away from the church. They walk away from God, even though parents love God so much. And I believe that one of the reasons, because they never encounter God themselves, They have never been in the glory. So they think that going to church is just another option, another thing to do on Sunday. That's why I love the camp to see people get touched by God. I love the revival service because we have more time for people to get touched by God. I want to see young people, old people, encounter the presence of God. And not just encounter one time, but also Carry the glory. Remember this, in the glory, there is everything. There is healing, there is wisdom, there is victory. In other words, you carry his tangible presence everywhere. Is that the way how Jesus walked on earth? Jesus was walking on earth by the tangible presence of God. His, the glory of his body was so thick. The glory on Peter was so thick that even his shadow fell on the sick. They got healed. I'm not at the level of Peter yet, but I am pursuing. Amen? When I get older, I'm older and older, I will have more and more glory in my body that even when I walk into the room, demons have to leave. I want to have the thick glory. And that's why we have revival service. That's why we lay hand. That's why we welcome the presence of God because I want all the members in this church to live in the glory, not to live in sickness, Alzheimer's, and disease, and curses because the glory will kick out all those things. In other words, we bring heaven onto this earth. We live in heaven because the presence of God is with us. I'm going to pursue the glory until the last day of my life. And I will keep the glory in this house. Then I don't know what the next pastor is going to do. But for me, I'm going to keep the glory. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do you understand my heart now? Why we lay hands, why we, we, have the, we have the camp, we have the um, revival services. Because we want to welcome, we, we want to practice the presence of God. You know, medical practice, the more you Now, uh, maybe I have operated on more than 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 brains. I don't know. I never count. But the more I do, the better I am to perform brain surgery. The same thing, we practice to be in the presence, to walk in the presence, to welcome the presence of the Lord. We need to practice, we learn, and we carry the presence of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Now you know, my heart, uh, why we do all these things. There is biblical reason to do it, not just a tradition. This morning, I would like to teach you more about abounding life, abounding life. This is the key scripture that we preach from. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 in the New King James Version. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. In King James Version, the Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, having always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. In King James Version, the Bible uses about two times, which come from the Greek word perizo, perizo, about. I'm going to explain in a few minutes here. The Bible says God is able to make all grace about toward us so that we will always, everyone say always, have all sufficiency in all things. How often is always? Always mean every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, and every month of the year. And every year of our life, that is always. How much is all-sufficiency? When one area of our life is lacking, we are not in all-sufficiency. If we are weak physically, we are not in all-sufficiency. If we are poor, we are not in all-sufficiency in the area of finances. If we don't have enough wisdom, we are not in all-sufficiency in the area of wisdom. God says that all the time, always, in all things, we have all-sufficiency, always. And what is the result Of that grace, the grace that gives to us to have always have all things in all sufficiency in every area of our life. The result is that we can abound or have abundance to do every good work. We can help the poor and the needy. We can evangelize, make disciples, build churches. Do good works for the kingdom of God. We can help the poor. When I say the poor, there are people who are poor in spirit. People who are poor in emotion. People who are poor in finances. God wants to use us to be his representative. God is love and God is good. He's going to use all of us to show goodness to other people. To show love to other people with what we have. I like this scripture in Isaiah, chapter six, verses eight to 10. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Who going to go for Jesus? for the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit? Then I said, "Here I am, send me send out to do good work that God called us to do." And He said, Go and tell these people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull, and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes. Listen carefully. The antidote to the unbelief is this sentence. Lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. In preaching the gospel and telling people about the goodness of God, the first step is that people need to see with their eyes that we are good people. We do good to people. We feed people. We try to show love to people. They see it. They experience it. After they see it, They experience our goodness that we have more than enough to bless them. Then they open their ears to hear the good news. And after they open their ears to to hear the good news, then they open their heart to believe and they are healed. You see, just go out to preach the gospel. Hey, you need to get saved. Otherwise, you go to hell. Bye-bye. It's not going to work. You need to show love to people. You need to do good to people. You need to bless people. Stinky Christian cannot evangelize. If you want to evangelize, you need to build a kingdom. You need to be generous. Amen? God gives us so much to have left over so that we can do good work. It's to save souls, help the needy and the poor in the spirit, the poor in finances to go out and help people. We cannot give what we don't have. We cannot do good works with what we don't have. That's why in order to live our life for the sake of the gospel, to preach the gospel, to tell people the goodness of God, to bring people to heaven with us, we need to have more than what we need on a daily basis. The trick of the enemy is to lie to the church that we should honor poverty and lack and weakness and sickness. The devil will teach against abundance and abounding life. Some Christians say this way, the holier you become, the more poor you become too. If you want to be righteous and you want to get closer to God, you need to live in poverty. You need to make an oath that you will not own anything, You need to live in poverty. Sometimes people say this way, we are the priests of God. We are in the Levite and the priests, so we should not own anything. We should not have more than enough. We should live in poverty. That is the lie of the enemy because the enemy doesn't want you and me to be able to do good to other people because we are so poor and lack. We cannot even fly out of our own city to preach the gospel in another country. So, don't listen to the devil. If I am broke, how my poverty bless you? If you are broke, how can your lacking bless other people? I tell you the truth. One of the reasons that I continue to do two jobs, full-time jobs, but this job I don't get paid. The reason I continue to do two full-time jobs, I tell you the truth, is that Because I have ability to perform surgery so I can make money and give to the church. And I can have leftover money to do good, to fly, to do mission work. I don't want to be a burden to this church. I want to be a giver. That's why I continue to work so hard so that I can have more than enough to bless the church and bless the kingdom of God. That's my real motive of continuing to do the work like this, to to do two jobs like this. If the church has more, if you have more than what you need, we will be able to have good services in the church. We will be able to bless other nations with the gospel. If we have more, we will be able to buy equipments and produce anointed teaching to put in the internet and bless people in the whole world. We can help the needy in other countries, the orphans. We can do good things for people. We can set up dinner, cook and feed people, and let people know that God loves them because we have more than what we need on a daily basis. As a Christian, we should have this attitude. God, bless me so that I have abounding life. The life of more than enough, more than just enough That for me, but I have more so that I can use that more to do good work, to bless the kingdom, to build the kingdom of God. And we do all these things because we love him and because we love his people. We should desire to have abounding life. But again, we should not have the attitude of God bless me, bless me, give me more so that I can accumulate more houses, more money in the bank account. We're going to keep in the bank account forever. I want to, I enjoy to see the number coming up every week. Oh, the numbers keep going up. No, God give us more so that we can bless other people, so that we can use that to do good work for the sake of the kingdom of God. Thank God that we have enough money to pay electric bill, to pay the gas bill, food bill, and to have some hobby. Thank God that we can enjoy life, but it's not, that is not just perfect will of God. God say, I want you to have more than enough so that you can do good work. And God can help us to do that, to give us abounding life. The selfish life to live for yourself Me, 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 accumulating things in my own house, in my own bank account. Don't touch me. I will not open my house to bless anybody. I will not do anything for anybody. That life is a miserable life because God did not create mankind to be selfish. God created mankind to be generous and to do good to other people. Amen. It's so wonderful to be able to do good to other people, to bless other people. Actually, I was blessed these past few days. I shared with Pastor the principle of sowing and reaping is so real. Last few days, we were spending time in Maui together. This is the first time in 30 years that we just go out, only two of us. Normally, we have kids, grandkids and friends, big group of people, but this is a dating time between two of us in Maui. And you know What happened? the reason we enjoy so much because one of my patients, she and her husband owns three units of condos on the waterfront in Maui. And God works in her heart to give me seven days to be there. But I say, no, I go to only six days. I don't want to miss church. She was so mad at me that I didn't go six, seven days. So she donated that condo to us and we stayed there for free. And She is a believer as well. We went out with her for dinner on Friday night, and she was so generous. And I told her that you are the manifestation of the promise of God. I and Pastor Dar so and so and so, so much. And now we reap because you gave us this time to be together. We have the best vacation together last week between I and pastor Da, Because that patient gave us. They so to the pastor. They, she knows that I'm a pastor. She knows that I live for the kingdom of God. She so to us and we enjoy. You see, she has the condo to bless other people like me and pastor Da. We can see here that it's so wonderful to have more than enough to bless other people, even to the servant of God like this. She looked so happy. She was so fulfilled, happy, and satisfied to see that Dr. Lau and Pastor Da got blessed by her giving. Not only that, we took her out for dinner. We want to pay for her. Wow, she was faster than us. She paid before us. I feel so like, no, we want to pay tonight, but she paid for us. Oh, this, this couple was so, so generous to us abounding life is the will of God, but the abounding life will not drop on us automatically. In order to have abounding life, we need to have faith and obedience. You have to go after it. You need to desire it not with the covetous attitude, but with the heart to do the work for the kingdom of God. In order to experience what God promised in the Bible, we need to have faith. And we have faith by hearing that subject again and again, by preaching it, by believing it, talking about it again and again. Our church will not see healing if we don't preach about healing. Our church will not experience deliverance if the pastor never preached about deliverance. That's why we have the CD table. I preached about deliverance, about demonology many years ago. You you can listen again and again to understand about casting out demons. We preached about healing. That's why we see healing in the church on a regular basis. We preached about planting churches, serving the Lord, having the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we have the gift of the Holy Spirit and we can experience that. We preach it, we believe it, and then we receive it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of Christ. Therefore, if we never hear about healing, we may not even think about healing. If we never hear about deliverance, we will never even expect deliverance. If we never hear about abounding life, we will never expect Abounding life. Matthew chapter 16, 17, and 18 say, And these signs will accompany those who have doubt. Is that right? No. Those who don't believe? No. These signs will accompany those who believe. And how can you believe? You need to hear and hear and hear. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. It is a shame. If believers don't know about healing, deliverance, prosperity, victory, fruitfulness, living for the kingdom of God, making disciples, and miracles... We need to hear all this teaching. And when we are strong in that area, the blessing in that area starts to rise up and fall on us and we begin to experience. This is the reality of life, all of us, including Pastor Lau. We may be strong in faith in certain areas of life, but we may be weak in another area. That's why we need to listen to the teaching in the area that we are weak in. We need to do our homework. That is to feed our spirit. Thank God for the technology. Thank God for the YouTube. I put a lot of teaching in the YouTube to fight with the pornography in there so that we can have something good in there for people to listen. Thank God for the internet. Thank God for the MP3 and all the machines that we can listen in the car so that we can feed our spirit to have faith in different areas of life. Many years ago, I experienced demonic attack in this church. Actually, one lady came into the church and walked up to the stage and began to dance like Hindu God. And I don't, did not know what to do with this lady. She came up and said, I'm God. Oh, what? This, this is like 20 years ago. And I did not know how to handle this situation myself. The archer had to come and pick her out of the room and sit in another room out there, not in this building. And I was thinking, I need to understand about casting out demons. I began to listen and listen and listen and read the book And you have faith. Now I tell you, when demons see me, they are afraid of me. Because I have faith in deliverance now. I can cast them out easily. I'm not afraid of demons anymore. Why? Because I did my homework. I listen about deliverance again and again and again until I have understanding and revelation and faith in that area. Amen. So we need to do our part. We need to play our part by feeding our spirit. Thank God for the teaching that we can listen in the internet. When we put a gas nozzle into the gas tank, in the the mouth of the gas tank of our car. And we keep pumping the gas in. And we don't stop. Keep pumping, pumping, pumping. What happens eventually? The gas will be kicking out to the mouth of that gas tank. The same thing. If you keep pumping the word of God in different areas into your ear, keep pumping in, eventually it will kick out of your mouth and you're going to speak about it naturally. You pump the Word of God in, it goes into your heart, the tank, and keep building up, building up, and eventually it will flow out of your mouth, kick out of your mouth, and you're going to speak about it. You're going to believe it, and then you will see the blessing and the manifestation of what you believe. You're going to see more healing. You're going to see more deliverance, more blessing. You're going to experience the abounding life. You talk about it. I have faith now about healing. So when I got sick last Wednesday, I just say, in the name of Jesus, you have to go away right now. I believe, I speak it. Boom. Within 12 hours, the sickness is gone. Because I have faith. It come out, kick out from my mouth. So I want to encourage you that you need to keep pumping in the word of God into your ear. This thing will not happen in two days. It will not happen by listening to two sermons. You have to keep listening again and again. It may take three months. It may take one year. It may take a long time. And even now, I'm still pumping in my ear. Keep listening in the same area. Actually, I plan to teach more about healing again. I t- taught many years ago. Because I want to build faith about healing in this generation. We need to keep listening and hearing of the Word of God so that we have more faith in different areas of the Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 in the Amplified Bible say, God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Wow, very good explanation in Amplified Bible. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I, mean Jesus, came that they may have life and enjoy life. This is Amplified Bible as well. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus could have said, I came so that they might have life, period, and stop. And if he say only so that they can have life, it would have been wonderful already. But he did not stop at you could have life, you might have life. He said, you may have life and enjoy it and have it to the full and it will overflow. And that overflow comes from the Greek word, perizo. Jesus did not come to give us a getting by life. Jesus did not come to give us a scrape at the bottom life. He gave us perizo. The word perizo is translated into English of many words, such as superabundant in quantity and superior in quality. It means excessive. It means above, superfluous, beyond measure, more, and surplus. It, more, it means more than, more than enough. More than enough to the full until it overflows to do good work not it overflow so that we can just live for ourselves we can enjoy life and we can have more to do the work of the kingdom of god we can live in the state of surplus by the grace of god our god is a god of more than enough and left over john chapter 6 verses 10 to 13 Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grass slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. They ate, they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, the stomach was full. Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Wow, this is the God we worship. From five loaves, two fish, he multiplied, he could feed 5,000 men and also women and kids. And after everyone, the belly is so full, happy. They have left over 12 baskets full of the barley loaves and the fish. Our God is a God of more than enough. Amen. When the disciple got the fish into the boat, the boat almost sank because he is a God of more than enough. I want to tell you, poverty is not of God. Poverty is not the will of God at all. Don't take me wrong, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm preaching the word. Amen? I'm not here to get money from you. I'm here to tell you the truth so that you can do the good work. Poverty is not the will of God. Many Christians honor or revere poverty so much. They honor poverty, sickness, diseases, and death. I don't believe in sickness. I don't want to honor sickness and disease. Actually, now I understand why God made me a doctor, because I'm a fighter, I'm a warrior. I like to fight with sickness. When I hear people get sick, I want to fight. Fight in spirit and fight in the medical field as well, both. Because I hate sickness and disease. And I don't like poverty either. Sickness is everywhere in the world. Poverty is everywhere in the world. Because the world is so full of curses. It's so full of sinners who disobey God. We are living in the cursed world. That's why people face sickness and disease and also poverty and death. Thank God. God can get the glory when he healed the sick. Thank God. When God gets you out from poverty, he get the honor and glory. Thank God. When he help you to repent and get out from sin, he get the glory. But sickness itself, poverty itself and sin itself and death itself do not Give glory to God. We are against sickness and disease and poverty and sin. They are our enemies. But we believe by the grace of God, he can get people out of sickness, out of poverty and out of death. Death is our enemy. Sickness is our enemy. It doesn't come from God. So many people in the world died because they don't have enough food to eat or because they don't have enough heat to warm their body. People suffer everywhere due to certain measures of poverty around the world. But God say, I want to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having sufficiency in all things so that you can abound to every good work. That is the perfect will of God for every single believer who follow Jesus. Amen? Sometimes people say this way, I want to be poor like Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. Jesus was poor. No. Look at the Bible, what the Bible says. The Bible did not say Jesus was poor. In fact, Jesus had a treasurer. If you have only $10, you don't need a treasurer. Is that right? You have a treasurer because you have so much to keep the money. Not only really that, Jesus and his disciples have so much that they can give to the poor on a regular basis. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was able to help the poor. If Jesus was poor, he needed help from other people. But actually, Jesus gave to the poor. I understand Jesus did not own any property. I understand Why? Because he was on earth only for 30 plus years. He did not have to have a property or own anything because he came quickly and he left quickly out of the world to finish his ministry. But he was not poor because he was able to get out of his own hometown, Nazareth, and preach the gospel to many, many cities. He has leftover money to do good work. So if people say, I want to be poor like Jesus, they should not get married like Jesus. They should not own any property like Jesus. They should not have wife and kids, and they should die before 35 years old. If they want to be poor like Jesus, that is a big misunderstanding. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, listen carefully, this is what the Word of God says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus was poor only 24 hours when he got arrested and put on the cross. But before that, he was not poor. He became poor so that we don't have to be poor. He became poor so that we can be rich to do the good work. That is the exchange that happened at the cross. You need to understand this. There are some things that Jesus did as our good example. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He made disciples who show mercy to people. He gave to the poor. He preached the gospel. He walked by the spirit, not by the flesh. He set us a good example that we should follow his good example. But there are things that he did as our substitute in our place so that we don't have to do it. For example, he carried our pain and disease, sickness, so that we don't have to be sick. He became cursed on the cross, so that we don't have to be cursed, but the curse of the law. He became poor, so that we don't have to be poor, but we can be rich to do the good work. He took the chastisements for our peace, so that we don't have to live in fear, in frustration, and in worry, that we have peace in our heart. He took some bad things on our behalf so that we can have good things. We don't have to follow that example. We don't have to go to the cross again to do the same like Jesus Christ. Amen? So, again, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus became poor for our sake. So we have the right to have the abounding life. This scripture, 2 Corinthians 8-9, was written by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was a letter of promise that you should not throw it away in the garbage can. It's a letter of promise that you should keep. You have the right to believe You have the right to experience and you have the right to claim it and to believe and to practice it. I did not write 2 Corinthians 8-9. 2 Corinthians 8-9 has been in the Bible even before my grandfather was born. Before my father was born and before I was born. I did not put it in there. And if God did not like it, he would not have put it in there. He purposefully put it in there for you and I to read, to believe, and to experience. And the devil will try very hard to come against this scripture. Can you imagine if all the body of Christ in the world have abounding ability or have surplus? There would not be any limitations and hindrance to preach the gospel and fulfill the great commandment all over the world. The church should have abounding ability. The church should have the surplus to be able to preach the gospel and to reach to the nations. Amen? And we should have the same thing. We should have the surplus so that we can preach the gospel as well. This scripture, 2 Corinthians 8-9, is a redemptive language. He wants us to be free from poverty, free from sickness and disease. I believe, God, that I will be healthy until 120 years old, abounding life. I believe that I will be strong without knee pain, hip problem, and I can travel over the world to preach the gospel when I turn 100 years old. I will have more than enough money to be able to do the great commission. And I'm going to believe for you that sickness and disease cannot touch you. And you're going to have a bounding life in your physical life, in your emotional life, in your spiritual life. You have strong faith. You have strong wisdom. You have so much anointing and money to do the good work for the kingdom of God. How many people believe that that can happen to you? I'm going to stay in my faith. I'm going to believe that 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 is going to happen in our life in this generation by faith. And by the grace of God. Amen? We're going to stand in faith and fight together. In fact, Second Corinthians 8 and Second Corinthians 9 primarily talk about money. But actually, abounding life includes everything. Health, strength, wisdom, success, good family, children love God, everything. Abounding life includes everything in life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. Our mind needs to be renewed by the Word of God. Our spirit needs to be fed by the Word of God. But the problem that I went to watch a magic show in Maui, and the guy who did the magic show lay hand on somebody, shake the head, and make a magic, and something happened like a miracle happened. And then he make a joke against the preacher. He said, Oh hallelujah, I make miracles, come and be healed. And after that, he pulled out a big hat under the table. Now offering time. He made a joke of the preacher. I don't understand why he did that. Because there is some kind of wrong way of presenting this message with the wrong motive of getting money out of your pocket to the preacher. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not that type of preacher. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What does it mean, rightly dividing the word of truth? You need to be careful when you get the interpretation of the Bible out. You have to be very careful. It means this way. It means that when you make a doctrine out of one verse in the Bible, that doctrine or that interpretation must not contradict other verses in the Bible. Every verse in the Bible must go along together. No contradiction at all. Okay. Sometimes people make a doctrine of one verse, but that doctrine is against other verses because of their misunderstanding. You have to be careful when you preach the doctrine, the word without any wrong motive, any hidden agenda behind what you preach. And I promise God in this church, I will not preach anything with any hidden agenda or any wrong motive because that is wrong. That I use the word of God for my own benefit. I will not do that. I'm going to be faithful to the word of God. The scripture always agree with one another in a perfect way. God has been in the universe forever. We are here only a few years. So we cannot judge the word when you don't see the, that the word cannot go along. Actually, we misunderstand one verse and that's why we misinterpret one word. Actually, all the verses in the Bible get along together and the doctrine must come out from every verse in the Bible. I'm going to read this and finish. James chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. The Bible used the word lust here. The word lust is not applied only to sexual desire. The word lust means strong desire for something wrong in life. Why people fight? Because somebody wants something badly. But the person who has it doesn't want to give. So the person who wants it badly, lusts for it, will fight for it, will do anything to get that thing. The person who has it doesn't want to give, so fight back. So keep fighting each other because of the lust of the wrong motive and the wrong attitude. That's how wars happen on earth. Somebody wants your land, want to come in and take the land away from you to be in their own country. Unbelievers don't believe in God. So what do they do when they want something? They fight, they cheat. They use all kinds of technique to, do, to get things from people. But for believers like us, we don't need to fight. We don't need to kill anybody. We don't need to cheat anybody. As believers, we can ask. We can ask God to give to us. But look at James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive. Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. In NIV say, when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. In NLT, and even when you ask, you don't get it, because your motives are all wrong. You want only what you will give you pressure I want to end this sermon God wants to give us a life to have more than enough but what we need to do is to watch our motive why we ask God for more money a raise in the job a bonus give us more house get more money what is the motive you ask God give me more customer what is the motive behind to get more money. If you have wrong motives, God cannot bless you. And what are the wrong motives? The motive that I want to please my flesh. I want to accumulate everything for me, me, me. Let me end this sermon by reminding all of you. Don't underestimate our desire for material things and money. People may act like, oh, I don't care much about materials and money, but actually they care. You need to ask yourself. Let me ask this question. How many people live in this world longer than 20 years? Raise your hand up. Longer than 20 years. Raise your hand up. I don't want to know your age, though. More than 20 years. Okay, if you live in this world longer than 20 years, Is it true, let me ask this question, is it true that money is a big deal? Is money a big deal? Oh yeah, it's a big deal. People fight, people hate each other, siblings fight each other because money. Money is a big deal. Even five more dollars, you want it. Material things are a big deal. We need to come to the point of our life. I cannot continue next time. Not next Sunday. You feel, oh, I feel relieved now. I want to tell you, we need to make sure we don't love money and we don't love material things. I confess in front of all of you and admit to you Many years ago, when God called me to be a pastor, I was very upset. My heart was beating. Every time I was thinking about being a pastor, I started the church already and think about ministry. I was saying I will not be able to buy a boat, (laughs) having a nice house in the lake, I could not enjoy buying an airplane. Oh, I have to give up money. I have to give up a lot of fun life because I've become a pastor. My heart was beating. I'm serious. I'm, because I love money. I love material things so much. Even as a believer. Can you imagine? But thank God for the fire of God. The fire of God burns it away. Now I don't care anymore. I thank God for that condo in Maui. But I'm not attached to it. I thank God for good food, but I'm not attached. I can be fasting for two or three days without eating and I don't mind. Those material things and money, you have to get it out from your heart. And you can have abounding life anyway. The key is this. Don't ask God with wrong motive. Because you are so hungry, thirsty, and covetous for the money. If you are like that, God cannot bless you. And we're going to continue next time. I don't know which Sunday. At the beginning, we talked about about the life, the abounding life surplus. Now we're going to come to the root. How to get to the abounding life. The first thing is your heart, your motive. Making sure money is not a big deal. But the kingdom of God the name of Jesus, souls, His will, His purpose are the most important thing for us, not money. Amen? Amen? Do you get this? In conclusion today, I'll continue next time. Number one, the Bible promises that God is able to, about to give all grace to us. About in his grace. So that we always having all sufficiency in all things, that we can have abundance to do every good work. Two, we learn that we should live in this world with the motive of wanting to do good work to the poor, to the needy, to preach the gospel, to build churches, to make disciples, to expand the kingdom of God, to glorify God, to honor the kingdom of God we should live our life on earth with that purpose in life. We're going to use our car, our house, everything in life for the kingdom of God. Three, we learn that Jesus has given us the right to have the surplus, to have more than enough. He became poor so that we might be rich. And four, if we want that kind of life, we need to watch our motive that we will not go after money. We will not worship money. We will not worship the numbers in the bank account. We're going to use that money and material things that we have for the kingdom, for doing good work. And God is going to flow in more so we can do more. And flow in more, we can do more. Remember this, after we died, We cannot take even one penny with us. We should use everything in our life for the sake of the kingdom. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for reminding your people, Lord, the promise in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Thank you, Lord Jesus, You became poor so that we may be rich. We will build our faith to receive this promise that the blessing that comes through Jesus will be manifesting in our life, Lord. I pray, Father, every member of this church, every people of God whom I take care of, shall experience the surplus life, superabundant life, in every way. And they will not love money. They will live for the kingdom of God. They shall have more than enough, Father, to do good work, to take care of the poor, the orphans, the widows, to preach the gospel, to save souls, to make disciples, to plant churches, to do whatever you call them to do, Father. Thank you, Lord. And we, Lord, are so thankful to you, Lord. We don't deserve the surplus life, but because of your grace, keep us in good health. Give us more wisdom. More anointing, more finances to get the job done for you. Thank you, Father. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I would like to encourage you to give your life to Him. God loves you so much. That's why He sent His Son to die for you, to be your substitute, to take all the bad things into Him so that He can give you the good things. If you want to do that, you can pray with me. The Bible says, when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Pray with me. Confess with your mouth. Father in heaven, Thank you, Lord. You love me so much. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be my substitute, to die for my death, to become sin for my sin, so that I can be righteous, to take my sickness, so that I can be healthy, to become poor, so that I might be rich. To take rejection so that I can be accepted by you, Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I repent of my sin. I thank you so much for your sacrifice. You are my Lord, my Savior. You were raised from the dead on the third day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Congratulations if you accept Christ today. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www newhopeinternationalchurch.com I'm so thirsty